Hey song surfers, welcome to Song Surfing. It's your friend John. On this edition of Song Surfing with Friends, joining me is Jack Shaw, who together with his brother Mike Shaw and Jacob Morell formed the three-piece band The Head. The Head have been jamming together since high school, writing and performing original songs inspired by the bands they love. Trippy Brits like Stone Roses, Spiritualized, Ride, The Verve, and Echo and the Bunnymen, and Moody Americans like The National, Scott Walker, and Early R.E.M. The Head have released an LP, a handful of EPs and singles, and have headlined tours throughout the U.S. and U.K. They've also opened for Lucy Dacus, The Brian Jonestown Massacre, The Glorious Sons, and Primal Scream, to name just a few. They're currently in the studio recording new material. And Jack is also the founder of the nonprofit Good Mood, which helps musicians in need. Jack Shaw, welcome to Song Surfing. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. So you're the drummer in the head. How long have you been drumming? Um, since 11 years old. Wow, okay. And did you teach yourself? Did you get lessons? Uh, I've never taken a drum lesson. I've completely self-taught, just been uh, banging away myself. I think I still haven't figured it out quite yet. <laughs> well, you're, you're an impressive drummer, and I think what, what really, I, I got to see you live recently, what really impressed me was um, play with a lot of restraint, right? Mm -hmm. Like it seems every decision you make whether it's the fill or the beat, how everything you play really serves the song. Thank you. That really means a lot. It's something that I always, whenever I play the drums with the band, I focus on the song, not so much the instrument I'm playing. So I always like to, to really figure out what the song needs and not so much what my actual drum set needs, if that makes sense. So as you're developing songs, is there one songwriter in the band or do you write together? We all write together. It's 100% collaborative three-way among the three of us. So how does that look in a typical uh, writing session or rehearsal? I mean, it changes from song to song. I mean, sometimes one of us will bring a, a chord progression. Um, sometimes a song will form out of just a tiny guitar riff while the three of us are jamming together. Um, and then other times we'll piece songs together in the studio. Like we'll go to the studio with really just an idea in mind, but purposely haven't fleshed it out yet just so we can use the studio as, a, as an environment to really get creative. I guess the, the, the fun of the studio is uh, being able to use all the instruments and all the equipment they have there. Does that find its way into your songs? For sure, yeah. I mean, the, the studio we record at is this amazing studio called Standard Electric Recorders, and it's run and owned by this amazing producer named Damon Moon, and he's got just so much to work with at the studio that we really love just losing ourselves in. So what's the name of the studio again? Standard Electric Recorders. Is that in the Atlanta area? Yeah, it's in a, an area called uh, Scottsdale which is near Decatur, which is in Atlanta. Okay, so getting back to writing, when the vocal part comes along, is that all Mike, or do you collaboratively write the melody and lyrics too? Uh, a little bit of both. Sometimes one of us will have a melody idea, but for the most part, what you hear the vocal melody, that's Mike. Mike plays bass and sings at the same time, and that... That to me is mind-blowing whenever I see someone do that and do it well. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mike's an awesome singer. Oh, yeah. And, a, and a, an awesome bass player as well. And to do do both simultaneously, it's an inhuman feat. <laughs> Has he always been able to do that? Oh, yeah. He, um, 
He's always been able to do that, and also he he's an amazing piano player as well. That there are plenty of songs that um, he's brought to the table that have started out as piano based, and we don't really incorporate piano during our live set because it's impossible to bring a piano. But in the studio, that's where you hear a lot of the piano. So you know, uh, correspondent Bree, right? Brianna Bass oh, from yeah. Skunkweed Juju. She's the one who. Um, uh, originally brought your music to song surfing. We love Brie. She's awesome. She said that I should ask you about the inspiration for and evolution of your stage presence. Because you guys are pretty captivating on stage. Oh, thank you. That really means a lot. Mike and Jacob have this great chemistry as, you know, being up front and they feed off of each other. I mean, Jacob's an amazing guitar player and really innovative and he and Mike just have this really cool dance with each other that's kind of spontaneous it's not necessarily planned at all but they just kind of they have this really cool dance that they they do in this interplay that's really 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 cool to see from behind the drum kit and based on what they're doing I just I focus on keeping the beat and it's a natural natural state of being for us. Just kind of blissing out on stage a little bit. Yeah, exactly. We, all three of us really focus on the feeling of the song and the feeling on stage more so than we focus on technical aspects of our set. Because the minute we start focusing on technical aspects, that's when you can get out of the moment and kind of lose that magic. How has the sound of the band developed over the years? I know when we first started out, we were really power pop, harmony driven. We are huge Big Star fans, and I think that kind of showed in our early stuff. As we've gotten older, though, we totally allow our songs to take a more somber quality to them. We, we used to be so hell-bent on making these upbeat, fast songs, and now we're totally feeling the vibe of doing more mid-tempo songs and songs that are more ballad-like. Uh, we've incorporated a lot of strings in our most recent stuff, which is something we only just started doing. So that's really cool to explore. Also, Mike in particular is tapping into that whole crooning or crooner nature where it's just one voice as opposed to all these different harmonies. There's a couple songs of yours that, that we're going to listen to. The first one I'd like to get into is Pebbles on the Ground, and that's from your first EP, right? Millipedes? Yeah, that's from our, our first EP that's on Spotify. It came out in 2015. So what stood out to me the most is Mike's, Mike's singing, and he shows off kind of the, the range of what he can do, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's the crooner moments, uh, the, like that smoothness. Mm -hmm. But then as the song progresses... There's some like more powerful like belting out grittiness as the song you know builds to a climax. That song has always been fun for us to play live for that exact reason. Mike really does explore the whole entire. He explores a whole spectrum in that one song. Song surfers, this is the head with pebbles on the ground. We'll be back after that.
All right, song surfers, we are back. We just listened to the first song by the head that was Pebbles on the Ground, and I'm here with Jack Shaw. Hey, Jack. Hey, John. All right, so you've been touring. Uh, when did you go on your first tour? We uh, went on our first official three-week-long tour in 2015. Before then, we had done a few like little runs, opening for bigger bands here and there, but like 2015 was the year when we started doing like month-long type of runs and book them ourselves. What was the whole learning process like uh, with that? What did you realize? What were your uh, ideas you had about it and then realized that you were going about things wrong? What were the lessons that you've learned? Uh, probably the biggest lesson we learned is the more in advance you look out, the better you're able to secure the dates you want. When we first started touring, we would book three, four months in advance, and some of those routes had holes in them. And because of that, we started booking five to six months in advance. And then with that window, we were able to really get all the dates we really wanted and see them materialize because we gave ourselves plenty of wiggle room, plenty of time to plan, plenty of time to find local bands to join the bills with us. What places were you hitting on this first tour? This first tour, we would go up and down the East Coast all the time, play all those cities along the East Coast from the South all the way up to the Northeast, from Charleston, South Carolina, through North Carolina, through Richmond, Virginia, DC, Philadelphia, New York, uh, Boston, New Haven, Connecticut. There's a period in 2015 where we would literally hit those cities once a month and just go back each time to gradually expand our audience and try to find new neighborhoods to play in. Um, we also played a lot of the, nor the Midwest. We did Chicago a lot. Murray, Kentucky, which is our favorite place to play in the whole world. Very supportive community there. How do you find the places that you played at? Are you searching the internet? Yeah, I mean, we would basically find, we would look up small clubs that we knew of in the cities we wanted to play. And then we would see what kind of local bands were playing their, those clubs, see what other clubs in the market they were playing. And we would just kind of create this, this network and kind of connect the dots through that. Was this all three of the members or is one of you in charge of booking? I, I took on the, the duty of booking, booking agent. It's a big responsibility. Yeah, it is, but it was really fun for me. And I'm just naturally a planner and very detail oriented. So it's something that I definitely gravitated toward and had no problem taking on. Now, how about stories from the road? Is there anything crazy that happened uh, on that first tour? Not so much crazy things, but just like make stupid decisions. One of the first runs we did up to the Northeast, we would have the tour end in Boston, which meant that we would have to drive all the way from Boston back to Atlanta with no shows in between. It was a 22-hour car ride. And after that first run, we realized that maybe we should play shows on the way back down to Atlanta as well. Yeah, break it up a little bit. My exactly. butt hurts just thinking about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's too long in the car. Yeah. I mean, we would, we would just do little funny stuff like that where the tour would end in a city completely far away from a hometown in Atlanta. And we would drive back that night from like Boston or sometimes it'd be New Brunswick, New Jersey. A number of the bands that I 
have been featuring on the podcast are kind of at that point where they're going out on their first first tour or starting to do like a weekend here or there, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So is there any advice that you would have for a group in that position? Yeah, I mean, I would start out doing weekend runs first and, you know, playing where you already have relationships and then just slowly expanding based off of that. And I know when we first started touring, before we went up all the way to the Northeast, we would start out small. So we would play cities like in a three hour or four hour radius of Atlanta. And then next time we would go out, we would slowly expand that radius to six hours and then so on and so on. So yeah, start out small and view it like a flower or an expanding ring where each time you go back out, you're you're covering just a tiny bit more ground. So bands I've played in, it's been uh, mostly cover bands or original groups where we play a handful of shows and then break up, right? So I've never gotten to in, in any one band to the point of touring, you know. But I thought I've thought a lot about it, just kind of like what the experience would be like. And I, for me, I think the things that would be hardest would be the food, right? Like finding mm-hmm. finding the the food that I want to eat. Yeah. I don't know if I could handle like sleeping in a van or on someone's floor if that's, you know, what your option is. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely that lifestyle is not for everyone. And it's like you, when you start touring, you have to be prepared for that kind of grind. And it's perfectly okay if someone isn't up for that. But like touring, we learn that, yeah, it takes a very specific kind of person and a specific age too. Like when you're 23, 24, sleeping on hardwood floors is nothing. Like at least to us, it was nothing. It's not a big deal. Now, when you're approaching 40, like it may, that may be a different ball game. Maybe you don't, maybe sleeping on a hardwood floor isn't as appealing as it, as it seemed, but we have no problem with it. In fact, the last night of our most recent tour, we all slept on a floor and it was my cousin's floor. Yeah, it was on a floor, but it was a free place to stay, and it was a great time with my cousin, and that that trumps any any bed comfort to me. So, right, because in the end, you're trying to end the tour with more money than you started the tour with, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, you at least want to break even and cover your expenses. We're gonna listen to a tune that you selected by Taylor Place. Cool. Taylor Place is an Americana soul. Folk singer, songwriter based in New York, drawing from a deep emotional well reminiscent of torch singers from days of old like Patsy Cline, Etta James, and Amy Winehouse, Taylor Place stops the clocks and breaks hearts with their soulful, spitfire vocals and charming acoustic self-accompaniment. Their debut album, Slow to Tune, is available for digital download at taylorplace.bandcamp.com or on most streaming sites. The song Whiskey Twilight is what we're going to hear, and... I love the fiddle and Taylor's voice is really cool. It's this uh, low register tone that has a lot of weight to it. Why'd you select this particular song? I mean, really for that, that very reason, I think it's just a very, very compelling melody and you can really feel the emotion that they sing with. And uh, songs for me, it's all about what kind of emotions arise when I listen. And that to me is what makes a song powerful. Now, Taylor also has a connection with your charity. Can you tell us about that? My charity is called the Good Mood Fund, and we provide financial grants to 
touring musicians who are experiencing any kind of emergency or crisis that has caused them to abandon the road and abandon live music. And Taylor reached out and applied to our fund for a grant because their mother had died. And that moment alone caused Taylor to, you know, shoulder a lot, a lot of things both with the death and beyond that, the, you know, the logistics of handling a funeral expenses and also just the, you know, the emotional toll that comes with a death. Because of all this stuff that Taylor had to take on, they couldn't focus on performing live. And that was their main bread and butter. That was their main source of income. Without that main source of income, they were really, really struggling to make ends meet. And when I read about their situation, I really, really, really understood and felt for what they were going through. And I thought this was a great opportunity for Good Mood to step in and help fill in the cracks and fill in the holes and, you know, just act as a safety net for them so they could get their, you know, their ducks in a row and eventually get back to performing live music again. All right. Here is Taylor Place with Whiskey Twilight. We're the ones who couldn't understand Now the pain's between our eyes It's late, we're filled from brain to bone With the pride of our lives The dark conceals your arms and face As you step into the night Wherever we set up our camp It's ours Whiskey Twilight Only the devil's embrace Could hold me the way you've been holding me tonight I look in your face and I And I see those parts of 
time to pack it in Cause that fire's gonna die The bed we made, we're lying in We'll have to clean this mess up another time Perhaps if things were different We could have led one divine life But for now I'll have to send you home Give my regards Jack, where did the inspiration for Good Mood come from? Yeah, so Good Mood originally started out as a booking agency, a boutique booking agency that I ran. And I started it in 2019. And I would book bands in entry-level clubs across the country. So these are clubs that are 100 cap or less. And I focused on this stage of an artist's career because... My band, The Head, has lived that. I, as I told you earlier, took on the role as booking agent for my own band. And those experiences of reaching out to promoters and clubs really inspired me to not just do that for my own band, but do that to other bands and artists that I knew and were friends with at the time. So in 2019, I started Good Mood, the booking agency, and it was a boutique booking agency that had a good run, good stable of artists around uh, 15. I mean, it was a really, really cool experience getting artists to play clubs up and down the East Coast and even throughout the Midwest. But then the pandemic happened and that put a halt to live music. And I was forced to cancel all these tours for my stable of artists. And I saw my whole entire roster really struggle and scramble to make ends meet because the world was shut down and their main source of income was live music. That's how they were paying the bills. That made me realize that, hey, the pandemic, it's causing artists to really struggle. And that's just one of several examples of emergencies that can derail a touring musician's path. Even in a world without COVID, and without the pandemic, it made me realize, yeah, but a death can still, a death in the family can still derail a musician's path. A natural disaster such as a hurricane can derail an artist's path to touring. That realization really inspired me to transform Good Mood from an agency into a nonprofit. And that's where we're at now. And that nonprofit, like I said, our main goal is to be a safety net for these artists so when in an emergency or a crisis does occur, they're not left stranded without any means to recover. 
So what does an artist do if they're looking for assistance? There is an application? Yes, there is an application that you can find on our website, goodmood.fund. Also, we have a set of criteria that a musician needs to meet in order to be considered. Now, I imagine you take donations as well? Absolutely, yeah. We um, Our online platform, all donations made on that go directly to our grant pool. So like any, any online donation we receive is going directly to the artists themselves. It's going to their grants. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you. As we're nearing the end of the show, do you have any other tips for people who might be in a new band or looking to start a band? I would say just leave your ego at the door for, and that's just for any aspiring musician, songwriter who's in a band. I mean, there's a difference between being a solo musician and then being in a band with people. And when you're in a band, it's just not your vision. It's other people's visions as well that are at play. And the goal would be to work together and in unison to achieve the same kind of goals. And when ego gets in the way of that, that's when I think bands can fall apart. And I mean, you look at Radiohead, U2, and those are two great examples of bands that have been around forever. And it's been the same members in all those bands since the very beginning. And all of them share songwriting credit equally. And I think that goes a long way in the longevity of a band and strengthens a band's foundation. Something I I had meant to ask you earlier when we were talking about touring, how do you keep engaged and in touch? How do you keep the fans engaged and stay in touch with them in between tours? Well, what we do is we always bring in a notepad we use as an email list that we put on our merch table. And at the end of each show, when we're selling our merch, we invite fans to write down their email and we take it home and add it to our email list. And we update all those addresses with any news we have about upcoming tour dates, uh, new studio dates. We also give out our Instagram handle. We advertise that when we're playing live and a lot of fans get in touch with us through Instagram. So that's been a big way for us to keep in touch with not just fans in general, but individual fans and particular fans as well. I feel like it's of the, the social media that I use, at least it's the nicest place, you know, like where people are the most well-behaved from what that's been my experience at least. I agree with that. I think, um, I mean, social media in general is stressful and it, it moves at such a fast pace that it's almost hard to keep up with. Even Instagram, even the, the nice, clean outlets, they still just operate at a really fast pace. So that, that can be a challenge sometimes, but it's wonderful how it allows us to get in touch with fans directly. There are no hoops we have to jump through or anything like that. All right, we're going to close things out with one more song by The Head. This is French Girls that we're going to listen to, and it's a newer track. Now, stylistically, how does this feel different than the older material? It's definitely more atmospheric. Like There's an atmospheric backdrop to it that doesn't really exist in some of our early songs. Is that from Jacob's guitar playing? 
Jacob's guitar playing, yeah, the, the jangly stuff he's doing mixed with the stuff he's doing on his pedals. And then also just some of the, the ear candy that our producer Damon worked with as well. I know that intro of the song is an old classical piece that's in reverse that he he changed a bit and purposely reversed this classical piece of music to make it sound distorted. Jack Shaw, thanks so much for being on Song Surfing. Where can people find and follow you in your music? Yeah, so you can check us out at theheadmusic.com. That website has links to our Spotify, links to our Instagram, social media channels in general. And then what was the site again for Good Mood? Good Mood is uh, goodmood.fund, F-U-N-D. And same kind of deal. You go on there and you will find links to our social media channels. You will find info on how to apply for a grant if you're an artist in need. And you will also find info to uh, donate if that's something any of y'all are interested in. And Song Surfers, all of that will be linked on the show notes page. So go check that out. This is The Head with French Girls. Thanks again, Jack. Take care. Thank you, John. I really appreciate you. I think I'm
All right, my song surfers. That music means it's time for me to say thanks for listening to Song Surfing. And thanks to Jack for chatting and to Taylor for offering their music. You can find the links for everything that we talked about and listen to on the show notes page at songsurfingpodcast.com. Quick note for you friends, I'll be taking one week off so I can catch up on a music project that I've been, well, struggling to work on. I'll see you again same time in two weeks. If you're looking for something to listen to in the meantime, you can check out my interview with Jade Starr. That was way back on episode 30. Really, uh, Jade's really interesting, and that's been one of my favorite interviews. Uh, it even got a little emotional at a point. That's episode 30. You can find that in the feed. You can follow me on Instagram by searching Oodles Music. O-O-D-L-E-S music, all one word. And find my music on Bandcamp if you want to hear my first EP. If you'd like to email the show, maybe suggest a band or uh, give me some feedback, songsurfingpodcast at gmail.com. There are some song surfing affiliates that I have linked over at songsurfingpodcast.com slash affiliates. And I'll have that linked on the show notes page too, so that you don't have to try to spell affiliates. If you follow any of those links on that page, Song Surfing gets a little kickback if you place an order. So far, there's Audible for audiobooks, Captivate for podcast hosting, and pretty excited about these ones, Plugin Boutique for audio plugins and loops, and Reverb.com is one that was just added for new and used gear. Uh, So remember that page next time you're going to make a related purchase, music or podcast or otherwise. That's songsurfingpodcast.com slash affiliates. The opening theme of the show is Living in a Fishbowl by Josh Ween, and the outro music is Little Pills by Patrick Moonbird. I'm John Kell. See you next time.